If you've been following Jesus for a long time, you've probably come across a few areas of your life where you had to submit to the will of God. It may not have been a pleasant process, but let me turn it around in your mind. What if instead of simply submitting to the will of God, you learned to celebrate the will of God? Let me show you why on this episode of By the Verse. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this, our very first episode of By the Verse. If you haven't already done so, let me encourage you to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to this episode. Well, we're going to hop right into chapter one of the book of Ephesians. Here's a super brief background. This is a book that Paul wrote around the same time that he wrote the book of Colossians and Philemon. We can think of the book of Ephesians in a couple of different ways. Number one, I want you to see it as a companion letter or a complementary letter to the letter of Colossians. Colossians is a beautiful book about the glory of Jesus Christ. It truly is the epistle of Christ as it has been dubbed. So if Colossians is the epistle of Christ, then Ephesians is the epistle of the church. It's the letter that shows us what the church is and how it came about. It's the most concise version of the gospel in terms of the subject matter of an epistle. You can also think of it as Romans light. Paul spent a great deal of time and energy helping us to understand the whole counsel of God in the book of Romans. The book of Ephesians is a much more condensed version of what the gospel is and the result of the gospel in our lives, not just individually, but as a people known as the church. In this episode, we are going to read through the chapter, but we're not necessarily going to read every single verse this time. We may not always have the opportunity to do that, so I encourage you, if you're in a place where you can read along in your own Bible, uh, to go ahead and pull that out to uh, the first chapter of Ephesians. That way you can see it in the version that you prefer. So here we go, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. 
In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Well, let's stop right there because Paul has said a mouthful. Number one, we started with the idea of the will of God in our intro. And I think it's uh, in just these first 11 verses or so, Paul gave us a huge emphasis on the will of God and the plan of God. This is God's own determination of what he wants to happen. And it's interesting because his second missionary journey, uh, he did kind of a layover in Ephesus and he briefly ministered there. And when the people asked him to stay, his response in Acts chapter 18 was that he would return there if the Lord wills. So we see here that Paul has already dealt with these people from the very beginning in the context of God's will. He would minister there if it was God's will. And in verse 1, Paul says that he is an apostle by the will of God. According to verse 5, it was the purpose of God's will to adopt us as sons through Jesus. In verse 9, God made known to us the mystery of his will, and he rounds it out in verse 11 by simply saying that God works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that's a lot of mentions to the will of God specifically. And when you include the language of being chosen and predestined, it's really overwhelming here that Paul is emphasizing how much God's determination, decision-making, and planning has controlled everything that has happened through Christ Jesus so that we as believers can be in Christ Jesus. More than any other single idea in the book, Understanding what being in Christ looks like while you live in Ephesus, while you live in the world, wherever that is. Paul wants you to understand that while you're living there, you are also in Christ if you are a believer, and he works out what this means to be in Christ all throughout the book. Now, when you and I have a will or a desire for something to happen, We may not always have the resources and ability to make it happen. But Paul emphasized God's determination of what he wanted to see happen before the foundation of the world. Then he shows us how all of the resources of heaven have come alongside to make this will a reality at just the right time. So, what is God's will? Well, we'll explore that a little bit more in latter chapters, but for now, the effect of God's will is our blessing. God wants us to be blessed. He wants to bless us. Look at this in verse 3. 
God blesses us with every spiritual blessing. In verse six, he blesses us in the beloved. So if you take every spiritual blessing and being blessed in the beloved as uh, umbrellas, basically, then there are six things that are underneath this umbrella. So in verse four, he chose us. In verse five, he predestined us for adoption. In verse seven, he redeemed us. In verse nine, he made known to us his will. And in verse 11, he gave us an inheritance. In verse 13, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Now that's a whole lot of blessing in just 13 verses. The will of God in your life is always going to result in spiritual blessing. And yet sometimes we wrestle to submit to God's will when actually what we should do is reframe it in our minds. If we know what the will of God is and it seems like a hard thing to accept, perhaps we should start to look at it differently and say, listen, if this is God's will, then I may not understand it fully and it may be challenging to walk through, but I know in the end, it's going to result in spiritual blessing to me in some way. So everywhere in this chapter where we see the will of God, Paul shows us the result of that is blessing over and over and over. And it's all wrapped up in the beloved. Christ Jesus is the vehicle that God used to accomplish his will. We are blessed in Christ in verse three. We're chosen in Christ in verse four, adopted through Christ in verse five, redeemed in Christ in verse seven. We obtained an inheritance in Christ in verse 11. And if that wasn't enough, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit as a down payment that God will give us all of the things that he has promised. So everything is in Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit that seals the deal. In other words, the the Holy Spirit living and operating inside of us should give us confidence that we will receive everything that God has in store for his people. In just a few verses, we see the reality of the Trinity. The word is not there here in this book or really anywhere else in scripture, but we see the reality of it coming to bear. God had a plan. His plan was to redeem humanity. And that was accomplished in his son, Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside as a down payment uh, on this inheritance that we will ultimately receive. This is a clear picture of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to accomplish the purposes of God. Now, I alluded to the will of God earlier that we will work out in uh, the next several chapters, but here I do want to point out just one thing right at verse uh, 12 and 13. Paul says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Well, who was the first to hope in Christ? Well, it was Jewish believers. The Jewish believers made up the church in its very infant state. You know, you don't start to get Gentiles in the church until Acts chapter 10. 
And so the first to believe in Christ were the Jews themselves. I think that it's not until verse 13 that Paul begins to turn his attention to the Gentiles when he says, in him you also. Well, who is the you? The you that he's talking to is Gentile believers in Ephesus and in this entire uh, area of Asia Minor. So I think when we talk about predestination and election and, and being chosen and this, this heavy language here of predestination early on in this book, I really think that if you combine this again with what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, you know, that's prime real estate there for talking about predestination, okay? Um, what he's really talking about is God's choosing of the Jews. They were first, okay? But that doesn't mean that uh, we're not included. We do get included at verse 13, and because Christ has included us, we get all of the things that they got early on, okay? Now, again, We're going to work this out in chapter two and then round that out in chapter three. It will all begin to make more sense. But I do want to point out that distinction between between verse 12 and chapter 13, that I really believe he's emphasizing the Jews there in the beginning, and then he turns his attention to us as Gentiles. Well, Paul rounds out this book with thanksgiving and with prayer. And I just want to read it very quickly for you, starting at verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all." Well, here's essentially what Paul is doing, and we'll wrap this up very quickly. Paul rounds out this chapter by uh, praying for the people that he's writing to, and his prayer is simply this. He wants them to understand everything that they already have in Christ, everything that uh, they will receive in Christ. Paul calls it in verse 18 and 19, the hope to which we are called the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. I mean, that's that's a lot, okay? And what Paul wants us to do is he, he wants us to grasp it. He wants us to kind of understand it, but we can only understand it through the power of the Holy Spirit helping us. Okay, and so he's praying that his his readers won't miss everything that God has made available to them through Christ and everything that God will make available 
uh, to us that we will receive through Christ Jesus. And so we need the Holy Spirit to help us to understand that. And that's why he's asking that their eyes of their heart would be enlightened and all of those types of things. And so the very end of the chapter, we see that Christ is exalted. Okay, Christ is in his exalted place. He is in, uh, he has been raised up. He is seated at the right hand of glory. He truly has all things underneath his feet. And so we see Christ being exalted right here at the end as the head of the church. And what is the church? Well, Paul is going to work that out in chapter two. He's going to show us what it looks like with Christ at the head of this thing called church reigning in glory. Okay. So here's the takeaway for today. God has always wanted to bless you, but that blessing is in Christ Jesus. So pray that God will enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you can see and know and understand all that Christ has done for you and all that he has made available to you and the things that we will receive, this hope of glory that we will receive in the future time, in the age to come, because it truly is to the praise of his glory. Well, that is really all that we have for episode one. Thank you so much for walking through it with me today. I can't wait to talk about chapter two. That's on our next episode of By the Verse.